This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, as I mentioned in the previous segment. Preseason game number three. Thank goodness there's only three preseason games. Everybody was really wrapped, ready to wrap up after the second one. But this one, it's the finale. It's at Paycor Stadium. The next time fans are there, it's going to be week one against Pittsburgh. You look at this right now, the starters aren't going to be out there. I voted. I've said it before on social media. Joe Burrow should never, ever, 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 ever play in a preseason game again because he proved it in his rookie year that he can do without preseason football and nobody wants to deal with those injuries. I think when you think about the Bengals camp, they've done it a little bit differently. You've had national media media folks come in and say, that's a little strange. You know, Cincinnati's kind of laid back. They're really not going too hardcore into some of these practices. Do you find that a little bit strange as, as kind of how Zach Taylor does this? Maybe it is to avoid injuries or, or things like that at training camp. No. Uh, you know what I find really interesting though is he, he adopts that from uh, Sean McVay, who does the same thing. Doesn't play any players that you know are locked in starters in the preseason, lighter practices. But he's also part of a staff that was the opposite. If you remember Dan Campbell's tenure in Miami, who was the offensive coordinator after uh, the firing, it was uh, I believe that was Zach Taylor. So that that during that time, that was uh, Dan Campbell bringing back the Oklahoma drill <laughs> in the midseason practice. So I think Taylor's seen both and he went, no, I think I prefer the other one. Yeah. I, I personally, I tell people all the time and I say the biggest difference for this team last year, obviously exceeding expectations, surprising a lot of people, maybe a year or two before a lot of people thought that they would be AFC contenders was the injuries. They got really lucky. And that is terrifying when you think about it. We talk about the offensive line a lot. They're one injury away from what it looked like in the Super Bowl. I think Joe Burrow should have received MVP just for what he had to play with getting to the Super Bowl. Obviously, you take 70 sacks. That's not ideal. But he was able to do it. We'll stay with offensive line right now. You go into this game Saturday night. It's almost over. The Bengals and Rams, Pecor Stadium. When you look at the left guard position, if Olsen's out there, what are you looking to see? What do you want to see more of? Because he's been out in the last couple games. So when I went back and watched the second one, um, he wasn't as 
good as the initial impression. Not that he was terrible or anything, but just there were a few issues. And I think one is just, and this this is just an experience thing. It feels like he doesn't have the cadence of the quarterback down because you want to be locked in for that. That's one of the advantages you have as an offensive lineman. And he was not all the time, but fairly commonly like the last one getting out of his stance. So, I mean, when you're talking about the cadence, it's just what the quarterback does before it. It's like the red 18 and maybe Brandon Allen is different than what Burrow does. Maybe Burrow's like red 18 hut and Brandon Allen's just like red 18 hut. <laughs> you know, it's just like that little bit quicker. And uh, the other guys, they've been around this guy. So they, they, they're getting out of their stance, but maybe Volson's not, uh, he's just not dialed into it. And I mean, he hasn't played with Burrow much either. So it could be a similar cadence and he's just still not dialed in on that. So that's just an experience thing. Um, because that's what, that, that is one of your advantages. You have played with this guy, you know, this guy, you know, what he's going to call on the snap count. Plus, you know, the snap count, you know, it's on one quick two, three, not until he says a certain word, etc. So I want to see, I want to see him get out of his stance a little bit better, uh, a little bit faster timed up with all the other offensive linemen maybe a few reps. And this is what was interesting was preseason game one. He had a couple reps where he almost false started. And at first you think, Oh, he's so good out of his stance, but that also leads to me thinking more of, Oh, I don't know if he has his cadence down because he's getting out there a tiny bit too early. He could get called for that. Um, and Bobby Hart used to do that all the time. <laughs> I think he had oh, the case. Down. <laughs> You'd always see him. The first one out is like, all right, Bobby, <laughs> you know, you've got one thing going for you. You've got that cadence down, but, um, yeah, I want to see him get the cadence down because that was an issue where he was about the last person out. And that led to a pressure where he got beat around the outside. The other thing was he had one play he gave up that was a sack, that was a processing thing. His guy uh, was uh, right outside of him to the left. He steps out towards him, and that guy goes flying inside. He's slanting inside. And when you're an offensive lineman, somebody crosses your face like that, pass him to the center first, obviously. But you got to, at the same time, eyes up, you're scanning for a threat, and he just hangs on it. He sees him and he kind of drives him into the center. But he never got his eyes up to see the nickel, I believe, or maybe it was a safety blitzing through the B gap, which he's supposed to be protecting. So you don't want to see any of those slip ups. And that's Wink Martindale. So, you know, he's going to do that in a preseason game to some rookies. And that happens. You know, that's another experience thing. The only thing that I think may be slightly concerning was he in college, I thought didn't have the greatest balance because he he would get his weight off of what's called the midline. You want to always have your weight in between yourself as an offensive lineman as you're kicking out. And it felt like he was very, when he steps and lands, he gets all his weight on that foot and then it's back to the other foot and back and forth. And that just makes it hard to shift your weight quickly and take a guy inside if they go inside on you, or if they're trying to beat you, they're really trying to go around you, turn and go with him. And also if, if they get you while you're on one foot that, you know, it's harder to take that type of bull rush. So if he could keep his weight on the midline a little bit better, and I think it's improved, I give credit to Frank Pollard. I think his kick is improved, but I do think that um, his, he still just leans into that left, right, left, right, where he's landing on each foot and putting his weight there. And that's an experience thing too. He's just, he's still a young guy and he's still learning his kick slide, his kick step, everything like that. So I, I want to see that improve. I don't know how much it can, but I really want to see the other stuff improve that work in progress. And that's okay. I want to see that improve probably by like week six, but I want to see the other stuff improve by like, Saturday. <laughs> and, and that and that's coming up. Not to back it up too much because we're not going to focus on the draft and any of those picks. But when you heard Cincinnati take him, were you were you surprised at all with the pick? 
Oh yeah, because I didn't watch him. I'll be honest. I, 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 yeah. There's so many guys. I watched so many first round, second round guys, especially this year because it was a late first. So it's like they could go with a safety. They could go with uh, one of those tight ends. Started. Uh, it was. Um, I can't remember Trey McBride. They started rumors Trey McBride was going to be the pick, and I was like, "Are you serious? I gotta go watch this guy now." <laughs> I already watched him, but I was like, "I didn't watch him that much." Not like a first round pick. More like uh, I'm just watching the tight ends real quick. Um, so I had no idea they could have gone offensive line. I watched all these different guys for the first round. Then the second round, I'm watching most of those guys. And I, uh, the guy I watched before the draft that we took was uh, that uh, the Bengals took was Dax Hill. And I was like, okay, good pick. And everybody after that, I'm like, I'll watch him right after. But when I watched Wilson after, I just uh, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting pick. I didn't think it was a bad pick. I wouldn't necessarily say they uh, hit a home run with just like watching him in college hope they do because you know that's better for the team and me as somebody trying to cover this offensive line uh but i i necessarily i just kind of watched and i went okay i could see it but i i, I remember saying that about carmen where i was like oh, okay i could see it. i feel better about this pick in the fourth than i did carmen in the second but yeah when i watched him after the draft i just thought okay i could see it i, I i'm not blown away but i could see how this works you know, I saw this actually right before we started recording and someone mentioned on social media that you have to be comfortable with Wilson. If he's going to be your left guard starter week one, you have to be com comfortable with that decision when it comes to December and January. You talk about some of the fundamentals that he needs to work on and you have a guy like Frank Pollock and other veterans on the offensive line. Do you think this stuff is going to be pretty easy to fix for an offensive lineman and adjust to early on in his rookie year? I think the first two things I mentioned, getting the cadence and the and the processing, neither one, I, I don't know. The cadence might be an easy fix. The, the processing, that is just, you're going to get hammered in the film room for that, and you just, learning experience, learning experience. Every time you miss something like that, it's just a learning experience. I won't make that same mistake again uh, type thing. So I think both of those could be fixed. The, th the, the other one, there are guys like Colton Miller came in the league with a much worse kick slide. And uh, his didn't get fixed for like two years. Garrett Bowles had a bad one. His didn't get fixed till about two years. I wouldn't say Volson's is on their level of being bad, but I would say that seems more long-term to me than the other issues, at least getting those things up to speed versus getting that, getting him to keep his weight on the midline. Um, that's just, we'll see. Uh, is It'll be interesting to watch throughout the year. I think that, I've seen Pollock do some good stuff, both with Makai Becton looked much better technically in New York than he did. Uh, I believe he went to Louisville. And I would say last year, I thought Jonah improved a lot in terms of just the footwork and everything that's technical like that. I know there's some people out there that don't think Pollock's done a good job developing these guys. And I would point to Jonah Williams as a success because he was better last year than he was the year before. And he, every and then uh, in training camp, those videos, every year he just looks a little bit more technically sound than he did the year before. And he came in pretty, pretty, uh, pretty high floor, pretty, pretty sound in, in his own right, especially for a college guy. So I do think there's hope for it. And uh, I like Frank Pollock as a offensive line coach. So we'll see throughout the year. I think this is a good test to see, can he make these guys, these type of these late fourth round guys into starting caliber guys by mid season types. 
You mentioned Jonah. We're not going to get to Jonah because he's not going to take any reps on the field, but I feel like nobody talks about the season he had last year just because of all the sacks Joe Burrow took. And I think maybe we'll see that this year because it is a big year for Jonah Williams when you think about the extension with this team. But we'll stay with offensive linemen. Again, it's just the last preseason game. There are a lot of guys who are fighting for their job. Are they going to make the 53-man practice squad? What's going to happen? Maybe putting some tape on for another team. We'll stay with depth on the offensive line. Who else are you watching for on Saturday night? Oh, Deontay Smith. Uh, I liked him a lot at guard last preseason. This year, this was his first game in a while, so I'm not going to be too harsh. But he had the holding calls. You could see the power and length he can play with, which is just not like most of the other backups. Just he, he just looks so much longer. He plays with it really well. He's a really strong player. There are plays where he would punch into Ojolari and be able to stop him in his tracks. And it was good that they played against the ones because you got to see like, is that guy just like not strong or is no, that's a, that's a, I believe he was a first, second round pick. He was a high pick. So he's able to play against him. He had a pretty good rookie season. Um, but the thing I noticed was I don't know if he's ever played right tackle. I know his last year at ECU, he played left tackle. Then he took a year off for COVID or he played one game, I think, and then was the rest of the year off for COVID. Put on a bunch of weight because he was thin there, went to the senior bowl, did his thing. But then last year he was taking reps, I believe, at the, at the on the first preseason game where he did really well was at left guard. So I, I did see when he's at right tackle, it feels like he has practiced the first two kicks a million times. He's got the big, it's kind of old school. Not a lot of guys, not every guy does the same or Lane Johnson types do. Uh, he kind of like kicks his right foot real hard and it looks a bit like uh, you're getting on a motorcycle with the way it goes up and over. <laughs> so he kind of like gets on the motorcycle with the first one, then he kicks back a second time, but then it feels like he's not confident after that. You'll see him take his inside or post foot and move that one back, or you'll see him just kind of like bring his feet real close together. It feels like he's done the first two kicks a whole bunch trying to get ready for this right tackle opportunity. But then after that, it's just like muscle memory of playing so much left tackle starts kicking in and he kind of like, misses his feet a little bit. I want to see that improve. I thought Hakeem Adenogy played much better in this past one than he has in the uh, past few. Uh, I mean, honestly, it might've been the past few years. Uh, he was pretty good out there. Um, I don't know if Isaiah Prince will play. I think he's interesting to watch. He's pretty long and strong. And uh, that Desmond Noel guy was surprisingly good uh, last, last week. Uh, I'd like to see more of that. See if he can contend for the final roster spot on the offensive line there. And I mean, you want to see Jackson Carmen, just that's the second round pick. I mean, heck if he goes out there and he dominates, he's in my opinion, I think he still has a chance because I think Volson's going to play. They're going to want to see Volson. Maybe Volson has to not have a great game. And then Carmen lights it up and against whoever he goes against. Does that happen? I mean, if you ask me like money wise, I'd probably bet against it, but you know, I think the opportunity is there. It's not gone. If he's not the starter week one, that opportunity is probably gone. Like this is really his last shot. I think at getting a starting job on this line barring injury, it's that there's not much he can do once that st starting offensive line is set in. Cause they're going to want those guys get used to each other, get the chemistry, everything like that. So I want to see Carmen, see if he can improve, see if he can show out or, does he just have another lackluster performance? We kind of write it off as, yeah, that's Carmen, and he's just relegated to being a backup this season. Yeah, I think all eyes are on that with Jackson Carmen and just the left guard position alone. I promise the second segment isn't 
always going to be dedicated to the offensive line. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. And when I think about the fan base, they want to talk about the left guard position and any of the backups. We'll move over to the defensive side again. Preseason finale, guys just trying to make a roster, maybe in Cincinnati, maybe it's on another club. Is there any defensive questionable guys for you right now? No, I just love watching Dax Hill, though. So I'll be excited if he plays. <laughs> He's flying I don't everywhere. want him to play. I know. You kind of don't want him to play, but he made that diving interception last week. I was like, oh, that is awesome. And uh, I don't think Osai is going to play much. That's another guy that's pretty exciting to watch. I guess I could. you could get into the – Jalen Davis, Alan George, who wins the last cornerbacks type spot. Um, there's a few guys on the D line that are interesting. Can Tyler Shelvin show some promise as the big nose tackle that they drafted him to be? I don't know. You know, what's really interesting though, is uh, the punter battle. I think that's yes. the last uh, position battle there is. And my guys, the puntalytics on Twitter is some Harvard graduates that are real in the punting. They said, it's dead even. And uh, Darren, Darren Simmons, was that today? He said yes. dead even. And I'm like, all right. So it's going to come down to who does better in this game. You read my mind because my next follow-up to really wrap up this segment was let's talk punters. And Darren Simmons said it today. Obviously, Darren and Kevin Huber have been with this team for a very long time, over a decade. And he said none of that's going to be a factor when it comes to who's going to be the punter. And I'm all, all eyes are on left guard position. I'm sorry. I don't want Dax Hill to take the field. I know this guy's going to be really special and we'll see him week one. They'll, they'll, they'll switch him out with Jesse Bates. They'll be on the field at the same time. I'm game for that. We'll see him against the Steelers. But yeah, punter and left guard for me is what I'll be watching. But we have plenty to get to what we have learned this week next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.